We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast, your only place that you can get Packers coverage 365 days a year, seven days a week. Today, uh, my name is Tyler Grissigorik, and I am joined by Matt Freilich and Gage Bridgeford as we are going to preview all of the Week 5 games. Uh, our beloved Green Bay Packers are on a bye this week, as well as the Detroit Lions, and there is a lot to talk about with all of these COVID happenings and just general nonsense in the NFL right now. Uh, we can talk about Ian Rappaport a little bit and him getting suspended for promoting manscaping. Uh, but other than that, we've got hot dog takes. We've got, we've got games, uh, to, to talk about the lines on. It's going to be a fun episode. How are you, how are you guys doing today? Doing all right. Well, doing well. Absolutely. I got to imagine, um, Gage needs to at least get a, you know, wet his palate a little bit with the water or something there if he's eating dry <laughs> hot dogs before I'm, I'm shows. Good. Like, that I'm can't good. be good I, for podcast. I, ha- I have my stuff. I'm doing all right. Okay. Yes, for everyone listening, I don't put anything on my hot dog. There's That's the slander. That's the crazy out there take. Now, if you think that's bad, just go find Andy Herman on Twitter, and it's not that bad by comparison. He doesn't like Thanksgiving food. I at least support Thanksgiving. So, it's just, it's just how I am. It's how I've always been. I'm a picky eater. I'm well aware of that. But I'm I'm 25, and he's an adult with a kid, so I get a pass. He doesn't. The thing is, the thing is, is a good hot dog is a good hot dog. I, I will admit that. 
But you gotta put yeah. some ketchup on it, cause yeah, it just you don't have to ketchup. Ketchup is gross, man. You and then that's what, yeah, like absolutely. I, I this is where I love seeing someone go to put ketchup agree. on the hot dog and then they get the ketchup water on it. I'm like, that's what you get for trying to ruin your hot dog. It was fine. It was fine, <laughs> and you ruined it. That's what you get. That's your karma. This is all right. I feel like we could have an entire podcast about ketchup and hot dog condiments. <laughs> but we could have an entire conversation, like podcast about food, just the whole thing. We could. Maybe one day when there's like a rainy day, maybe in the off season when there's no topics to talk about, we'll talk about food takes and get Andy on and we'll have a big old debate. But <laughs> we're here to talk yeah, about football today. So let's kind of start with the Ian Rappaport thing. Um, you know, he, he's definitely the place that I would go to uh, for a verified source of all my news. I, I don't have Adam Schefter on on notifications level, but I do have at a Ian Rappaport. Uh, but you know, he he got suspended for promoting manscaping on his Instagram, I believe. Uh, manscaping, is, if you're not familiar with it, is a company that specializes in providing tools for men to uh, groom themselves. So yeah, yeah, he promoted Manscaped. It's a great company. They have really like popped over the last couple of years. And he just didn't have clearance from the, the clearance from his bosses to put that up. I think I personally think it's a little messed up. But at for two weeks, time, nonetheless, two weeks he's suspended. Yeah, but at the same time, also Schefter and, and Rap should both be on notification. Schefter's great, and he's going to dominate in the next couple weeks. So, um, but no, so I I personally think it's a little like little messed up. But at the same time, when you work for a big company like NFL that wants to keep their like their image crisp and clean that's what's going to happen that's why independent companies and independent podcasts are the ones that are putting up manscaped ads and nfl's not that's exactly what i was going to say gage we're on the same page like that's what happens when you work for one of, one of the networks right one of those big enormous empires like you just you're going to be under a different thumb than anyone else that's working for a lower entity or maybe just like an independent firm like you're talking about but um Odd. I tried to. I had a group message going on. People are like, "Why did he get suspended?" I'm like, "I had no idea." I looked on Twitter. I was trying to search on Twitter. I didn't find anything. I didn't realize it was on Instagram. Maybe that would have been the proper platform to look. But two weeks. That's that's tough. But shout out. I'm sure Shefty will get some get some. You know, maybe some people will turn their notifications on. Well, the original actual the original indication was that it might have been he had released the images of the Titans players practicing last week. That was what the original rumor was before it was officially confirmed as the Manscaped thing. Mm-hmm. Because there was rumors that it was – the NFL didn't want him to release those images because they were supposed to be private or something or other, and that's what had happened. But obviously it ended up being this. I think it's kind of dumb. There were, I did see a couple of like independent uh, like NFL people that are not – as big as rap sheet but they have like a decent platform who said this is why i do stuff for myself so that way no one can tell me what ads i can and can't run well the the thing is for me i think the line has to be drawn between personal social media and company use of social media i understand that he works for the nfl network but at the same point i don't think he was trying to promote it as a nfl network person i think he just retweeted or uh shared it on instagram as a as a regular person, and then, and then he's getting penalized for it, which I don't necessarily agree with. But the NFL does things uh, that we don't understand sometimes, and they really do handle things in an odd ways. So if it had been the Titans uh, practice thing, that would have probably been worse because he's literally just reporting on what was happening in the NFL, and that would have been uh, 
we'll just save that discussion for another day. It would not have been good. Let's put it that way. So let's move on, though. We have a ton to talk about for Week 5. Uh, back on to the COVID thing. Titans' bills have been affected by it. Moved to Tuesday night. Uh, Broncos' Patriots moved to Monday because of COVID testing. Uh, the Bears and the Chiefs came up positive for COVID tests today. So there is a lot going on. Yes, you didn't see that. Okay. No, so, I did. I did not. So yeah. that's why that. Hence my uh, yes. my drastic head. So you guys can't see the video, but Gage was very surprised when I said that. So, uh, <laughs> so the Bears and the Chiefs both had positive COVID tests or tests a singular test today. Uh, so the, it's definitely getting around, and there's definitely now a legitimate concern for the standing of this NFL season. Uh, how are you guys feeling? I know that prior to the season, I was very hesitant if their their COVID program could work. And it seemed like it was working through four weeks, but you know the that's the danger of this this virus is it sits dormant for two to three weeks in people, and that's when it starts to really show is two to three weeks later. So really, we're looking at a breach in week one, if not sooner, uh, and now it's really starting to rear its ugly head. So now the question does arise: Has the system worked at all in terms of the NFL, and what do they need to do to kind of keep it going? Well, I'm I'm surprised that it took this long, honestly, to have you know six or seven teams exposed, whatever the number is. Because initially, I think I was on the same page as you were, Tyler. Like looking into early August, being like, I don't see how this is going to work. I mean, you had baseball kind of up in arms, having issues with that. Um, you know, that's a lot of teams. Obviously, within basketball, they kind of did a fantastic job with that, but that's a little bit easier to control with twelve guys per team, and then obviously some assistance where you're dealing with, you know, fifty-three man rosters and, and you're whatever, in a bubble. But, like the NBA was in a yeah. bubble. That's like if it was like if the NFL was in a bubble, you could like yeah, fifty-three players. Obviously, that's still a big roster, but mm-hmm. it'd be easier to say, hey, you cannot leave this radius versus in the NBA they can be like, hey, you can't leave, and if you do, we will know. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And, like, it's just to the point now where it's like, okay, now we're having almost a quarter of the league that's getting exposed, and I'm sure through the weekend it'll heat up here. I know in Green Bay um, it's it rampant right now. They you know, have it, so there's no going to be no fans in, in Lambeau for a few weeks, even after what they said the November 1st date. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's now it's we're at the point, right, where we're going to get into week six um, down in Tampa Bay for the Packers. Like, Florida's a hot spot. Like, are they going to shut down the league for, a, like, a month, or excuse me, a week? Like, is that even on the radar for the NFL? Are they too money-hungry money to do that? Um, we'll see what happens throughout this weekend, but it's definitely more concerning the last, you know, 72 hours than I was concerned, you know, all of September. It also depends on how the, like, teams handle it. Like, obviously, I know that we've all seen Florida is everybody can have max fans. Mm-hmm. And and Texas, uh, a picture from the Texas A&M game today. Like the student section is not quite packed, but it's pretty damn close. They're supposed to be at thirty percent capacity, and maybe the whole stadium's at thirty percent. But the student section definitely looked like it made up at least twenty percent of that of the fans. And it's like, you, like if you guys aren't going to take it serious, this is what's going to happen. I don't. I like. I have been really like if you had listened to me talk on any podcast I've done this year I've said I'm not sure how the NFL is going to pull it off because every single week I'm like there's going to be something and over the last couple weeks that's what's happened first it was Titans and then Cam got it and then Stephon Gilmore and then Mahomes was sleeping on a couch separate from his pregnant fiance because because he didn't want to put her at risk and just all these little things. It's the whole, like the six degrees of separation thing. It's one of those little things where if you, this guy plays this guy on this day and it just trickles on down. Like, so luckily for the bears, it's a practice squad guy and 
they've been close since Thursday. So hope, so you hope that like maybe there's nothing new there, and maybe it just and but who knows how he got it, and who knows if he interacted with anybody before that. I just I don't know. Like I keep thinking the NFL is gonna pull it off just because they want the money and they they're in now. But at the same time, I have a hard time seeing it go with just how we're constantly getting tests and then shutting down. Like the Titans are going to practice on get what like two days of practice in two weeks for a game against the undefeated Buffalo Bills. I don't know. There's going to be an asterisk on every single sports season this year: baseball, basketball, the NFL. Because there's going to be times where I, I'm on the boat now. I was not originally, but now I'm on the boat where the Titans should begin forfeiting football games. And so that alone is just going to lead to further conversation of what if and what are we going to do to combat this in the future for the NFL. I don't know if there's an immediate solution other than trying to create some kind of multi-state bubble that you just have ultimate control over with private planes and facilities that you're monitoring for. Uh, maybe you put eight teams in four states and you just kind of rotate between the four states and you play over the span of multiple days because you don't have the facilities to play multiple games at once. I don't know how they're going to handle this, but we've, we've talked about it before. I know Gage and I have. I don't know, uh, Matt, if you've, if you've touched on this at all, but the only way to truly combat this thing is do what the NBA did and have a bubble. You need to have a completely regulated environment, and even within that regulated environment, it needs to be regulated even further. It needs to be a bubble within a bubble within a bubble. That's really the only way to do it. So what what do you think the NFL can kind of do moving forward to, to really combat this? I mean, if you're talking about putting them into a bubble now, like you should have planned that back in July and August and implemented it, right? Like now at this point, you're going to have to, you would have to stop the season regardless. So like, whether you shut the week down or the season down for one week and just teams have a bye week and they stay home or you have them all convert into this bubble. I mean, it's going to take longer than a week, I would imagine. So I, I mean, either way, I think you, you, that was, you missed the boat. Like essentially you missed the opportunity to do that. Um, you didn't have preseason games, which would have given you an option to you know, use all of August to implement that, but you didn't. So now you got to kind of lay in the bed that you, you built. Yeah, and speaking of which, did you guys see the comment that Kevin Byard made today, uh, safety of the Titans? I saw a little bit. I didn't know what he was referring to. No, why don't you enlighten us? I've been sitting – so this was uh, taken – I don't know if it was his Twitter or where he said it, but I've been sitting in the house watching stuff being said about us. I've taken note of it. I know other guys have seen it too. At the end of the day, we're 3-0. So basically what he's getting at is, oh, well, everyone's saying we should forfeit or everyone's saying that it's our fault or this or that. It's You guys, yeah, you're at fault. You guys put everyone else at risk by ignoring the rules. If you had just not practiced last week, your game wouldn't have been pushed to Tuesday. Or it would have had less likelihood of being pushed to Tuesday. But instead, what would you do? You went broke protocol and decided to practice. So yeah, you deserve all of the all of the shit you're getting. You deserve all of it. Like if you like if you weren't at the practice that day, like if you were sitting at home, sure, go ahead. I'll go you can go ahead and you can say, "Yep, your teammates messed up. I didn't mess up." But if you but your team went and made that mistake. So yeah, we're gonna say that it's your fault that you guys had to have a bye week and we're saying you should forfeit a game because this is your mistake. Everyone else followed the rules. Everyone else. If it comes out that Cam Newton broke protocol and that's why he got COVID, we're gonna say the same thing about New England. It's it, it's not just that we're picking on the Titans here. I know Kevin Byard's not listening, but it's not like we're just pick, like everyone's just trying to pick on Tennessee saying, oh, well, they got to forfeit because they're 3-0. No, it's you broke the rules. 
it's it, if Green Bay if Green Bay did it, I would say the same thing. Like say Aaron Rodgers went out and he was seen out in public, not social distancing. He was breaking the rules of what he was supposed to be doing. I would say the exact same thing about Green Bay. There's no bias here. This is just you broke the rules and you deserve the punishment for it. Well, the, you don't want to get punished? Follow the rules. It's not hard. The, the NFL pays you millions of dollars. How much? How much of an effect have the Titans had on the rest of the NFL? Because you know you start to look at it in Chicago. Chicago, as far as I can see, has not had contact with any of these teams, and therefore they now have a positive COVID test. So is it really the Titans' fault that all these other teams are starting to get COVID? I don't believe that. But at the same time, there has to be consequences for the actions. Somebody in Tennessee broke broke protocol, broke rules, didn't report that they weren't feeling well, did something. Somebody did something in Tennessee, and it's now leading to over 20 players and staff members being tested positive for this COVID virus. And there's little to no answer in, in Tennessee. And so until they can get back on the football field, it's you can't delay the entire season for one out of 32 teams. You can't hold the whole season hostage for these guys. They're just the season has to move on, and so there. I was I was a fan of giving them a pass in the first the first week that they had to kind of reschedule the game because there's some flexibility. The NFL knew this; they could push the game to the end of the season. They could maybe alternate bye weeks. They could figure something out in that regard. But now, when it turns into multiple games, absolutely they need to start forfeiting games because you can't you can't jeopardize jeopardize the rest of the NFL schedule. So, uh, do you have anything to add here, Matt or Gage, before we move on to the Week 5 slate? No, I, I would be shocked if, I mean, it would make, like you said, like, don't penalize everyone if it's the Titans that continue to have an outbreak and they investigate a little bit more and find out, but maybe, maybe make them that, I don't know, do they forfeit a game? That seems pretty extreme, but make them just continue. I mean, the worst thing is to continue playing. You have all your, you know, decent players, starters, whatever it is, would be not able to play, and that's maybe that's your, you know, slap on the wrist at that point, but, um, yeah, it's well, we're just gonna have to wait and see, I guess. Really, that's all it comes down to. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I've kind of gotten on my soapbox, and I, I just—it's a frustrating situation to think about. Uh, I know we all love football. Uh, I obviously, Tyler, you and I both write about it. Matt, you podcast about it. And I think you write about it, but I don't know for sure. So we all love football. None of us want to get the season canceled. This whole narrative from certain people in the media saying, "Oh, everyone wants the season to get canceled." No, no, we don't. No, we do not. I love this game. I love watching it. I, wa- can, I watch more football than any other sport all all year, and it's a sh- and it's the shortest season. I watch more of it than I do of anything else. I don't want the season to get canceled. I want everyone to that has the ability. These players have the ability to not have a COVID outbreak. All they have like are are mistakes going to happen? Possibly. Are things going to happen? Absolutely. Like, it, it's possible. But if you follow the rules. You can prevent stuff like this. So when stuff like this happens, it's frustrating. And I'm going to say, yeah, you should lose a game. It's your fault. You are messing up other people's seasons. If they had said this week the Bills get an automatic win, Titans take the loss, I would have had no qualms about that. Regardless of fantasy, because obviously I have Josh Allen and other Bills players, I would have said, oh, well, that's okay. I would rather the Titans take the punishment in real life that they deserve than me get fantasy benefit and then who knows maybe a maybe a titans player still has it and he's just asymptomatic and then we're going to come out on wednesday morning oh a bills player got it 
that that's all I got to say about it. It's just it's a frustrating thing to talk about, and I could go on forever about it. It certainly is. And if you have any thoughts pertaining to this, I know that there's probably some pretty strong feelings, but feel free to add any one of us to talk about it because, you know, we would love to talk about and discuss it at length uh, the different things that we think and feel and that we hear about the the different ways that the NFL can combat this moving forward. But let's talk about the NFL Week 5 games, the games that will be happening. Uh, there's no... Uh, well, the Bears tested positive, but they've already played this week. So now the Buccaneers are a team to monitor moving forward as being at risk for the COVID uh, outbreak. So they played the Buccaneers on Thursday. The Bears did. Uh, this game was a mess. Uh, but at the same time, the Bears ended up winning. I did pick the Bears to cover their line. So, you know, it was three and a half points in Tampa. I took the Bears to cover that line. But it did not feel good. It did not look good. The Bears are still the worst four and O team or four and one now, right? Four and one football team. So yeah, uh, hey, they, I'd rather be four and one than three and two. That is going to come to bite them hard, though, as we move on through this season. It really is because mm-hmm. they're going to win four. They're four and one. Great, good job. You're winning close football games. You still look like crap doing it. So they're not going to do anything that actually matters, and they're going to be stuck as a mediocre football team, which is not where you want to be. So can I clarify one thing first? Go ahead. The defense, or the offense looks like crap. The defense is playing out of their minds good. Out of their minds good. I, they're playing good. I wouldn't say out they're, of their minds good. I've seen I better was, Bears. I was, impressed with, I was impressed with them on Thursday night, really. Like, Fuller was flying around. Khalil Mack was doing his thing. Eddie Jackson's a problem, like always. But I they, they I was pretty impressed, to be honest, against going up against the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Like, maybe it's because Mike Evans is hurt. Chris Godwin's out. O.J. Howard just got hurt. Maybe, like, you can say, oh, well, they're really beat up. But... Khalil Mack hip-tossed a 340-pound man with one arm. That was awesome. I don't care. That was that was great. So I think that this defense is playing lights out. As I've said all year, all the Bears' offense has to do is just be okay. They don't, they don't have to do anything fancy. They just have to be okay. And I don't know – and Nick Foles can't do that. Nick Foles has looked like garbage for three for six quarters in the last two games. And he looks okay for the fourth quarter. And this one he got to win. The other one he didn't. So I think that this Bears team, the one thing they're going to run into is they're going to be in quarterback purgatory because Nick Foles isn't the guy you want to be going forward with. And he's going to win them. Him and the defense are going to win them too many games for them to draft one of the top three guys next year. The Buccaneers are just a team that's there. In terms of football player evaluation, the, the Buccaneers are a jag. They are just a guy. This team is not going to do much when it comes to games that actually matter. Tom Brady, while he is still a Hall of Fame quarterback, a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, and there were flashes on Thursday where I was like, oh, okay, so he's still got it. There was also situations where he's flipping out at his teammates, things he was doing in New England that he got pretty much a pass for. And he goes into this game yelling at his teammates for, for playing hard. And Ryan Jensen, when he, when he had that personal foul, uh, was dumb. It was dumb. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was I agree. Very dumb. But how many quarterbacks are yelling at their players like that? And how many quarterbacks get away with that? None. Nobody Rogers does. doesn't get away with it. Nobody does. Teammate. And so. No one does. He, what, and I was talking to my good buddy. He watches a lot of football. He's worked in football. And I was talking to him about how Tom Brady has alienated his offense, why would anybody want to help him or protect him at this point? Other than the fact that his name is Tom Brady, what does he do for this team? 
Is he is he supporting them through the tough times? Is he is he trying to pick them up when they're down? Is he is he doing anything that you would expect a good leader to do? No, he's berating these guys and watching that on the sideline was actually really troubling for me. And then he goes out there in a critical situation and he gets his down wrong. Now it's one situation; it's not going to put an entire asterisk on his career or anything like that. But at the same time, if you're going to go out there and demand absolutely 100% the best out of your guys, you can't do that. That locker room, yeah, it, that locker room behind Tom Brady is going to start to falter if this continues. It was pretty ironic, honestly, and I, I was thinking about that uh, the last few days, and just like it, you got to think it has something to do with just being in a you know a habit or a routine when you're in New England, right? You kind of understood where guys would be, what was going to happen. Maybe there's someone you know, Ryan, or, I don't want to say reminding them of the down, but other people talk, maybe some different communication. Um, but very odd to see, like you said, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, future Hall of Famer, to forget the down like that's that's that insane awesome. to me that was that's great. wild Loved it. um but I, you know i don't have a problem with him screaming at his guys like i kind of get it like he's he's earned that right at this point like you know there it it is kind of a double it's well, not kind of it's 100 percent a double standard when you see other guys in the league doing this the only one i could think of that maybe doesn't gets away with it be like philip rivers but like he's never really yelling at someone he's just like has a face and he's yelling philip at rivers anyone that's like watching him <laughs> so but, I, you know, I didn't have a problem with it. It was kind of justified, honestly. Jensen kind of had a few plays leading up to that, it looked like, and he was just getting frustrated. But and it was a super physical game in the second half, too. So it's like he's kind of probably just being like, dude, get, you know, get your wits about you. Keep your cool. Like, you can't, you can't be doing that if we're trying to be a Super Bowl contender. Isn't it Brady's job, though, to keep this offense cool? To keep them doing what they need to do? Him and Bruce Arians need to be responsible for that part of, of the game. And... Through four, five weeks now for the Buccaneers, that has not been the case, and they're not a well-coached team. Bruce Arians is being exposed right now. The, they're three and two, but they certainly don't look like it. You can, you're not going to win a lot of football games if you're doing what the Buccaneers are doing right now. They're going to have to get more consistent. They're going to have to get more disciplined uh, as we move forward into Week Six, uh, which they're going to they're going to face a very good Packers team in, in Week Six. So they're going to have to be on their A game, and I'm excited to see what Bruce Arians and Tom Brady bring to uh, bring to the Packers matchup in Tampa. But I'm interested to see that offense. I want to see that defense against a good team. Like I've seen them get lit up a lot, and their defense and their offense has been able to overcome. But against Green Bay, who has a decent defense, has arguably the hottest offense in football, and if it's not them, it's Seattle. Green Bay's Green Bay can put up points. Carlton Davis, if he like, he's not going to be able to guard. Like Allen Robinson's great. I love Allen Robinson. Devonte Adams is at a is at a different level when he's when he's on. Carlton Davis isn't going to be able to guard Devontae Adams like he was the other night. And then even late in the game, Allen Robinson started cooking Carlton Davis. After that early blunder that just looked terrible, that little pop-up, mm-hmm. after that, Robinson got the better of him the rest of the night. And I think that Devontae can do that as well. I, w- I don't know if this defense can hang with Green Bay, and I think that Green Bay's offense can really run it up. And all the defense has to do is get a stop or two to really put yeah. Green Bay over, over the top. But, I mean, we'll get to week six later. Like, mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and get into this first game, Tyler. Yeah, uh, one quick note. 
before we do do that, uh, the Packers are definitely going to have their hands full because the Buccaneers do boast a pretty good uh, interior run defense uh, between Vita Vea, who actually has now He's been out for the season the uh, with an ankle injury, and then and Dama Su, who the Packers fans are definitely accustomed to after his time in Detroit. So it'll be interesting to see who they replace Vita Vea with. But that, that run defense that has been really good for the Buccaneers could not be so good in Week 6. So moving on, Ravens-Bengals. Bengals are... Uh, I'm sorry, the Ravens are 12.5-point favorites here. The over-under is 51. Uh, I'm probably taking the Ravens. No, I think I'm taking the Bengals to cover this. I think 12.5 points is a lot. I like this Joe Burrow team. We've talked about this before. I'm not a big fan of Zach Taylor, but I like what Joe Burrow is doing for this team. I think the team is buying into him, and that's a big thing. And so the Bengals, I like to cover this game in an AFC North matchup. Uh, I don't like the over-under necessarily. I think that's about right, so I'm avoiding it if I can. But uh, I do like the Bengals to cover 12.5. It's a big number, especially with you know the last week or so that the Bengals have been doing on offense. Joe Mixon finally had his coming out party in week four. Burrow's solid. I mean, he's slinging around the yard. He's got got his weapons. Um, and I I still like the Ravens in this one. Really, I think I know twelve and a point, twelve and a half points is a lot at home. I still like them. Um, give me the Ravens um, as the favorite. You think the you think Baltimore covers twelve and a half? I do. I do. Fair enough. I also think Baltimore covers 12 and a half because Baltimore's a better team, got a better defense. I think they'll be able to really mess with Burrow. Burrow has, Burrow has got this team like playing well offensively. Joe Mixon did have his coming out party, but this Baltimore defense is good. They're, they have the secondary to match up with the weapons that uh, Cincinnati has on the outside and Patrick Queen and this defensive front can really abuse this Bengals offensive line, which has been, if not the worst in football, pretty close to it uh so i i think baltimore covers i don't know about the over under i like if if baltimore starts playing prevent defense and starts giving up garbage time points it's that could be a little bit different but i don't know that that happens so i'm gonna probably shy, shy away from it as well just like you did tyler i 100 percent agree on paper that this ravens defense matches up well with the bengals offense i think i'm calling this one a gut feeling this is one where i'm going with you know i just think that the bengals and the ravens are gonna put together a competitive game simply because they both play in the afc north uh on paper though it, it does definitely suggests that the Ravens should win by a couple touchdowns. So let's move on to Falcons-Panthers. One of the games I'm most excited to see, contender-pretender talk here, uh, are the Panthers really the bad team we thought they were, or are they going to win enough games? Are the Falcons as bad as they've been through four weeks? It's really one of those contender-pretender games. And Atlanta's favored by two and a half points with a 54-point over-under. Uh, I, I still think that... Atlanta wins this game, but I don't think it's by much at all. I do think it's a one-score game. A two-and-a-half-point line is not a lot. I would take the Panthers at anything over three, uh, but I think I'm taking Atlanta to win this game at two-and-a-half. I'm taking the Panthers, man. Um, I've been shocked to see what they've done under you know a brand-new quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, brand-new rookie head coach, and they've really done pretty well without Christian McCaffrey, in all honesty. Um Bridgewater over his career is 19 and 5 against the spread, and also Dan Quinn led Falcons are 18 and 33 against the spread. So I like the Panthers with the points. Um, if I, I'm probably going to go with the over if I had to if I had to pick that one. Um, I just think that that Atlanta offense is pretty hot, so I, I would I would imagine they're not going to be able to slow them down. So they will have to score some points for the Panthers, but I like the Panthers with the points. Uh, give me the Falcons. Give me the Falcons and the over. Okay, so I talked to Tyler about this on our podcast that came out Friday for Game on Wisconsin. Uh, mm-hmm. It's fantasy-based. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. Um, here, the Panthers 
passing defense is one of the best in football right now, and I was confused why. I was like, they don't have any great corners. They're like, they don't have an outstanding pass rush. I was trying to figure out what they did well, and all they do is they allow you to throw underneath. They give you the ability to push down the ball down the field, but against uh, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray and the uh, Cardinals just weren't doing that. Murray wasn't taking those deep shots. Falcons are going to take those deep shots, whether it's to Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley, Olamati, Zacchaeus, Christian Blake. The, Ryan will take those shots, and it's open. And I think that the Falcons can hit on one or two of those big balls. Dan Quinn has to know. He Dan Quinn knows he's coaching for his job. He hasn't lost his locker room. That's one thing that I've noticed about the Falcons over just about any other team that has ever like that has fired their coach in the last couple of years when Quinn has been on, his, on the hot seat. He's never lost the locker room. You've never seen players like hating to be out there. You've never seen anybody say anything passive aggressive to the media. It's never been anything but good things to say about him. Uh, there's a reason like that. There's a reason people like to play for Atlanta and play for Dan Quinn. It's because he like they just he is a fun coach. He's a players coach. He's not getting the job done so far, but I think that they can win this game. I think that their offense is good enough to outscore the Panthers. I think the Panthers have outper- like overperformed so far this year. I think they're better than we thought. But at the same time, they're exactly kind of what we expected after they added Teddy Two Gloves and Robbie Anderson was they were going to be a team that was going to win more games than they should in order to contend for a true top pick. So I think uh, Falcons win here. I think Falcons cover. Uh, and I think the over hits because these uh, Falcons defense is bad. The Falcons defense is not good. And the Panthers offense can be really good. Uh it- it's a little bit limited by Teddy Bridgewater, but he's still been pretty good this year. I really like him this week in terms of a matchup play in fantasy. Uh, you know, the, Robbie Anderson's been better than I think I expected him to be leaving New York. DJ Moore is still kind of waiting to break out again this year. Uh, he's really starting to hit that. This is his third year. Third year kind of slump for him. He, but DJ Moore is still a really good receiver. Mike Davis has been surprisingly good. Ian Thomas is a talented tight end. The, the options are there, and especially when Christian McCaffrey comes back, this team could steal some wins later in the season. So keep an eye on this Panthers team as we move forward. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Future has... Mike Davis backup CMC. Oh god. Mike Davis is the new starter. Stop Lock it. it in. Trade Stop CMC. It. Don't pay running backs. He's not serious. Stop it. Chiefs Raiders, fifty-five point over under. Chiefs are favored by eleven and a half. Uh, that's a big line too in a division game. These division games really scare me off in these big lines. Uh, I do think this Chiefs team is really good, but I do think the Raiders match up well with them. I don't like the Chiefs to win by 11.5. I like the Raiders to cover that. Uh, I think they're going to run the ball. We've talked about this on our Game on Fantasy podcast. Josh Jacobs is going to have a good day against his Chiefs defense. Uh, and They're going to have Chris Jones back, I believe, so that's going to help them a little bit. But overall, I do like the offensive line matchup versus this Chiefs defensive front, and I like Josh Jacobs to have a big day. I think, the, I think the Raiders try to control the clock and really keep Pat Mahomes off the field, so I don't like the over-under on this game, which is 55. I don't like that either. So Chiefs to cover, and I'm taking the under. I'm sorry, Raiders to cover. Raiders to cover. Oh. Yeah, I'm finally agreeing with you, Tyler. Um, you know, it's similar to the the matchup between uh, Ravens Bengals, except the defense for the Raiders is really really good. I mean, I know those are both big lines, but I imagine the Chiefs will come out kind of respond from their abysmal Monday night game. But I, that's a big number for them, especially against that Raiders defense. Uh, divisional matchups normally close, and with Brandon Jacobs, Alec Ingold, shout out Bayport Pirates, like he. They, they've been running the ball really, really effectively, kind of that West Coast style. Um, and I just, I don't see them being able to put up enough points to actually get over that Raiders defense. So definitely give me the Raiders with the points and then the under for sure. 55 is a large number. I just don't see that happening unless somehow the Chiefs just blow this game out. But I, I that's, give me the under as well. 
So you guys are buying this Raiders defense a week after they got lit up by Josh Allen and the Bills against mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, who's playing at home. Correct. I'm buying the Raiders defense in a sense of I think they're going to be well rested because of the way that the offense is playing, and I think that I don't I don't know who the defensive coordinator for for uh, Oakland or I'm sorry Las Vegas is, but for Las Vegas I I just like the ability of Gruden to be able to control this game a little bit, and and he he knows that he's not going to be able to stop Pat Mahomes like he knows that, and so I do believe he's going to incorporate that into his offense, and thus because the defense will be well rested, I think that they're going to be able to compete with the Chiefs offense. Uh, his name's Paul Gunther. He was with uh, uh, he, yes, Mr. Gunther. he was with the Bengals for a long time, hmm. thirteen years. Uh, he spent uh, his final four years with them were as the DC. Uh, see, I'm going to fade both of you guys on this one. I think the over hits, and I think KC covers. I think uh, K- actually no, I- I'm going to fade you there. I think the Raiders cover just because the line's really big, but I think the over hits because I think uh, the Chiefs give up some garbage time points. I think that the Chiefs are able to hit a big player too. Uh, against this Raiders defense. This Raiders defense is improved, but they don't necessarily have a great pass rush. I um, believe Mo Hurst was just placed on the COVID list. It was. Uh, so he will be out, and he provides a pass rush on the inside. So I don't necessarily like them to get pressure on Mahomes. And the one thing that we've seen the, uh, the Patriots do really well against Mahomes is they sit back. And they just say, well, we'll sit and send eight guys in coverage and just hope that our three dudes can eventually get there because you're going to get frustrated. I don't think the Raiders are going to do that. I think they're going to try and send some blitzes at him, and I think Mahomes thrives under that pressure. And when you send pressure at him, that leaves guys open or that gives guys matchup advantages. So I think Chiefs are, I think Chiefs Raiders hits the over, but I think the Raiders cover just because I think they get a backdoor, like, late score type deal. All right, yeah, two touchdowns is a lot, but let's move on to Steelers and the Eagles. 44-point over-under, which is really small, and Pittsburgh is favored by seven. So uh, my initial reaction here is that the Steelers will win by seven, uh, so they will cover that and that the over will hit as well. Uh, Carson Wentz, very interesting story this year. He's so, so hot, so cold. He did, he played some hero ball uh, this past week, and he got the Eagles to win against San Francisco, but ultimately... He needs to be better. He needs to be more consistent. So until he can do that, I'm not buying into the Eagles. They need to get healthier on both sides of the ball. The Steelers are coming off of basically a bye week. Uh, they're one of the best defenses in football. I think they're going to give uh, Carson Wentz and this Eagles offense some fits this week. And we talked about it on the Game on Fantasy podcast. The the only way the Eagles are able to do anything this week is if they're they're legitimately playing out of their league. They're playing out above above their expectations this week. Uh, Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz are probably the only guys that you're that you're looking at to be productive in this Eagles offense outside of Carson Wentz, who obviously has to throw the football. But if they can continue to incorporate the RPOs and the, the quarterback read options like they started to do against San Francisco, this Eagles offense will be sustainable. And so if Doug Peterson continues to bring that back for Philadelphia, they could be a reasonable option moving forward to, to snake away some wins, uh, and especially when they get healthy, be a late, a late season surge. So watch the Eagles, but in this game I'm taking the Steelers, who are going to come into it super healthy, uh, assuming uh, coming off a of bye week that they'll be locked in. Mike Tomlin's usually pretty good about that kind of stuff. I'm taking the Steelers to cover, and I'm taking the over. But uh, I don't mind the Eagles here to, to hit that seven that negative seven line for Pittsburgh. I I like it, Tyler. I like it. Um, 
you mentioned that defense playing fantastic right now. Bud Dupree probably at the tops right now for defensive player of the year. And, oh, he gets the opportunity to have T.J. Watt on the other side of him. So that defense has been playing fantastic. Um, I'm very close to writing off Carson Wentz, but the, the thing that keeps holding me back is just the inconsistent offensive line that he's had piecemealed for the last two years it seems like he's been battling injuries even longer before that and then just the lack of receivers I mean good lord this guy has nothing right now he's Alshon Jeffrey hasn't played a snap yet this year Deshaun Jackson is still injured not injured Greg Ward lining up out there former quarterback like that's not really going to get it done and like Zach Ertz has next to nothing I mean compared to a normal Zach Ertz here um Steelers at home, minus seven. I love it. As far as the over, under 44, give me the over. It just seems like way too, way too small for, for, for me. I, I see the Steelers easily putting up 30, and I manage, you know, I would imagine the, the uh, Eagles can contribute a little bit. I don't like this over, under at all. 44 is weird because I think, because I see the Steelers suffocating the Eagles. I think Philly comes out and has a bad, bad bad game also uh tyler you mentioned tomlin's uh bye week he is nine and four since taking over in 07 look at that i didn't one do the, research when i knew that look at one that. of the yeah <laughs> i had my producer pull it up one of my four losses or one of his four losses was to denver in that very first season uh and then they've lost to since then the saints the seahawks and the ravens i don't know when those losses came it doesn't have it on here but those are pretty good teams to lose to um i think that they come out and they just dominate that i love that minus seven um I, and that actually is trended downward. It was uh, seven and a half when you and I uh, were talking about this game on Thursday, so that game has moved down a little bit. I, I'm a big fan of getting it at seven because that means that if they win by a touchdown, I at least get a push and I don't lose. Um, I'm going to take the under here. Actually, no, I lied. I'm taking the over because I agree with you guys that – so overs have been hitting like crazy, uh, just at a crazy rate. The Steelers can run up some points. Maybe the Eagles get a couple, like, garbage time things. So, yeah, I think Steelers cover pretty easily, but I do think that the over does end up hitting here ultimately. This Steelers defense is just going to run amok on this Eagles offense. The offensive line, Lane Johnson's still dealing with an injury. He had to pull himself in and out of the game against uh, the 49ers on Sunday night. So he's not 100%. The Jason Peters is out for the year. They're just dealing with injuries all over the place. Carson Wentz looks like he's just terrified. He looks every time he gets the snap, like, and it sucks because I hate this Carson Wentz's bad narrative. I just, I really do because I think he's a great player, super talented guy. It's just got a bad break this year with injuries. Um, I think that I think Steelers cover, uh, and I but I think that Carson Wentz is going to have possibly his worst game of the season uh, on Sunday. The thing that will save Carson Wentz is his legs. He is able to be mobile in the pocket. He's able to to create some plays with his legs. And so if he can do that, maybe the Eagles can stay in this game. But other than that, uh, yeah, Steelers should be outright favorites here, and there should be a little question as to who should who should win this game. But it is the NFL. On any given Sunday, uh, you can uh, see these guys get upset. So moving on to Washington and the Los Angeles Rams. The Washington football team is hosting the Rams, and the Rams are 7.5-point favorites. That's a pretty big line considering they are playing in Washington. So really, if, if we're looking at a neutral field here, it's the Rams by about 10.5. So pretty big uh, pretty big odds in, fa- in favor of the Rams from Vegas, uh, 45 and a half point over under. The Kyle Allen, uh, the Kyle Allen Washington football team, I'm not expecting much from them. I'm taking the Rams to cover here. I'm taking 
probably the under because you, you mentioned suffocating that Eagles offense. I think the Rams defense suffocates its Washington defense, or I'm sorry, Washington offense, and it just is the it's it's a for lack of a better word, shit show in Washington for the Rams. And uh, I'm just taking – I'm probably avoiding the over-under and betting on it, but I'm definitely taking the Rams to win this game. Honestly, the Washington football team is just like 2020. One, just as you think it's going to get better and they're going to – you know, things are going to turn the corner and just go south again. And it's now to the point now where they're putting in Kyle Allen with a rookie running back, Antonio Gibson. Like, I just – I can't see that working out well for them at all. Um, Aaron Donald – Michael Brockers, I imagine those guys are going to get after it. Leonard Floyd had a good week last, or game last week. I just, I know, to your point, Tyler, great, great, anal- or, you know, great thing to bring up. Ten and a half points on a neutral field, but I still think that seven and a half points is very doable by the Rams. This over-ender is really strange to me. I don't see Washington scoring more than, I don't know, 17 points, so it's really going to have to be a Rams game where I, I just feel like that offense doesn't really reach its goal or its its peak yet right now this year. They expected Cam Akers to contribute. He's been banged up with a rib injury since, was it, week one or two? Uh, he's um, expected I, to play this week. So Thank you very much. Appreciate yep. that. Yeah, he is. So, uh, it was week two, but, yeah, he's full go this week. Absolutely. That's important. I want to see what he's going to do when he comes back, especially now with Daryl Henderson doing what he's been doing the last few weeks. But Kyle Allen, I can't imagine, even with seven and a half points, is going to do anything, even at home. Um, give me the Rams minus the points. And then as far as the over under 80 or 45 and a half, I'm going to take the under. Um, I don't like, I don't like hitting unders. You always like to root for the over, but uh, this one, I don't really see the, the Washington football team contributing at all. 45 is just, is a weird number, period. I, that's one of those – it would take a really weird score or a ton of points to get over. Uh, it's not like 41, which is you can get six touchdowns total in a game you hit it. 45 is just weird. Yeah, uh, I am taking the under as well. Uh, and I'm taking Rams cover, hitting seven and a half. I think that benching Dwayne Haskins, if there's something off the field that caused this, like practice habits or whatever, that's a different story. But Pierre on the field – I don't think that you can make the argument that Kyle Allen's better. He may have a better knowledge of the offense, but he's also been in it longer. And But this goes to my whole thing about if you were going to bench Mitch Trubisky for the mistake that he made in the Falcons game, just bench him in the first place. If you're going to bench Dwayne Haskins because you started Owen, or because you started 1-3, then you should have just not played him in the first place because clearly you wanted to play Allen anyway. Dwayne Haskins has not been great to start the year. Obviously, but he's also not been the, he's not the reason they're losing. You have, on this offense, you have Terry McLaurin and then, uh, another, yeah. Antonio Gibson, if he can do something. Wide receiver converted running back, and you're not, you're not buying them? (laughs) No, I, like Antonio Gibson, but he's a rookie. He hasn't done anything super great yet. Granted, he had a really good fantasy week last week, but he's still not doing anything overly impressive. And then throw in the offensive line that has been patchworked together. Oh, Trent Williams is gone. We could have gotten a first round pick for him, and instead we waited until we were we waited too long, and then we got squat for him. Brandon Scherf out or is on injured reserve, so he's out for this week. Aaron Donald is going to live in Kyle Allen's lap, and I'm going to laugh all day long because you shouldn't be playing Kyle Allen in the first place. Right. He shouldn't be in there. Dwayne Haskins should be the guy. You need. To, this is a growing year. You're not going to compete this year. Everyone knows it. You need to see what you have here. Worst case scenario, Dwayne Haskins goes one in fifteen, and you draft Trevor Lawrence next year. You're welcome. Yeah, but no, I, you're I gonna go. I'm you're sorry. gonna play Kyle yeah. Allen. You're gonna play Kyle Allen. Get get the hell out of here. Come on, Ron. I love I Ron totally Rivera agree. as a coach, but 
I totally agree. It's like it's almost like Ron wants, like you said, he like he wants to see if if maybe Kyle Allen's the guy. Like Dwayne Haskins has played he's not okay. The guy. He's not the guy. I know he's not the guy. And like of all the games we talked about so far, I'm smashing the Rams minus the points here. But yeah. all in all, like to your again, what you said, Gage, like it's if it's basically 100 percent based off of performance. Why is he not just the backup? Like you deactivate him? Like yeah, that doesn't got, make any sense. Like why would you deactivate? Really? Him? And there's got to be something going on. There off has field. to be. There there has to be because if it was just strictly performance, you put him as the backup. Maybe he gets an opportunity in the second half if Kyle Allen struggles. More than likely he will. Aaron Donald's kind of probably going to eat his lunch. But like, let's not forget Alex Smith is now the backup. Like dude that almost died blasting his entire leg open. Like, but he's somehow the backup in this game, and Dwayne Haskins is going to be wearing a face mask and a visor. It doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense at all, and I I completely agree. You're probably not going to win a ton of football games this year. I I'm calling this a bad call by Ron Rivera. I do totally respect him as a coach. It, I think he's trying too hard to win football games that he has no business winning. And he needs to realize that his team needs extra pieces before they're really going to compete. You need to see what you have in Dwayne Haskins so you can make a full evaluation heading into the draft next year if you need to draft another quarterback, which I think they do because I don't think Dwayne Haskins is the long-term answer. But at the same time, if you don't believe Dwayne Haskins is the long-term answer, get more tape on him. Allow allow him to possibly impress and increase his trade value so you can move on from him if you want to and then eventually dra- tra- uh, sorry, trade Trade him and draft your quarterback of the future uh, in, in 2021. So Jets-Cardinals moving on. Uh, the Jets are bad, so I'm taking every single line against them. Uh, I've taken Jets' lines the last couple of weeks because I'm like, okay, they can't be that bad. They're that bad. And now there's no Sam Darnold. There's Joe Flacco leading this Jets team. So watch them go win this game against the Cardinals. But I'm still taking the Cardinals at minus 7, heading into New York. Uh, 47.5 point over under. I'm probably taking the over because I do I do feel like this Cardinals offense could run circles around this Jets defense. And the Jets, the, the question does come in, will the Jets be able to put up points? The Cardinals defense is not that good. It's okay. Jets should be able to put up some points, and so I expect the over under to hit at 47.5. But the Jets are just bad, straight up bad. And so I'm probably taking every single line against them until further notice. I want to make one quick note, and then I will I will let you go. Dwayne Haskins is the 29th rated quarterback among qualified players this year in passer rating with an 80.3. The four guys below him are Jeff Driscoll, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, and Carson Wentz. In that order. Carson Wentz is the lowest rated passer. Now, QBR, yes, Dwayne Haskins is last. But in passer rating, Dwayne Haskins is not the worst quarterback right now. And he's actually better than a guy that was drafted ahead of him last year. And he's better than Sam Darnold, who the Jets traded, like, two first-round picks and multiple second-round picks to go get. So, like, if you're going to bench Dwayne Haskins, what you should have done is you should have played him as much as you could, tried to trade him if you clearly didn't think he was the guy, and got something for him. Now, a team can offer you apples. They don't have to offer you anything. You're going to get peanuts for him if you try and trade him because you waited too long. Okay, go ahead. No, it, it, you're completely right. Um, I hate the Jets. I know uh, the fact that Flacco's playing is just hilarious. I know Le'Veon Bell's coming back. They're activating him off IR, which is, doesn't really mean much because Adam Gase has been a child the way he's been trying to use Le'Veon Bell in the offense and his skill set. Um, I look for the Cardinals to put up some points in this game. I don't think that minus seven's anything for me to be scared about. I really expect them to just 
kind of get after it. DeAndre Hopkins, I expect a huge game from that 47 and a half to me. Like that's, it kind of is similar to the Washington game where it's like, I like the Rams offense, but I just don't expect their opponent, you know, Washington to put up points. I don't expect the Jets to put up points. I, I would expect that to be a, an enormous day from Kyler Murray. Um, I'm going to take the under, but give me Arizona minus seven. I am going to take the over. I don't like the Jets' offense, but I think that they can put up enough points, and I think the Cardinals come out motivated, and I think they can, they can have a really big game. So this is more, I think the Cardinals score a lot of points than the Jets score, and I also think the Cardinals cover. Now, I want to say one thing. Adam Gase, if you're somehow hearing this, if you put Mekhi Becton on that field and you have a job when the game is over, you are the luckiest man alive. It is no longer Lou Gehrig. It is you, because Mekhi Becton should not have played in that Thursday night game against Denver. And he is doubtful. He has not practiced at all this week, and he should not be playing. I love Mekhi Becton. Great player, but he should not be in the game. I think the Cardinals run it up, though. Uh, I think Nuke has a big game. I think Kyler Murray bounces back. I think that they can push the ball down the field a little bit. I think they get the receivers involved. Hopefully Kenyon Drake can finally have a good game. He has not done anything thus far. They need to get him involved in the passing game more. I understand Chase Edmonds is a great receiver out of the backfield, but you're paying Kenyon Drake like the third or fourth highest salary among running backs in, like this season? Come on, give him the ball. Give him the ball, let him do something, let him get rolling. Cliff Kingsbury needs to get creative. He He's one of the most creative and exciting young minds in football, but he's got to show that by getting his athletes and impressive players involved in any way possible. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Kyler Murray has been, uh, I don't want to say disappointing, but he has been a little bit disappointing the, this far because I think there was a lot expected out of him coming into the year. Uh, and he's, we've, we've talked about it a couple times and I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but, but Kyler Murray has been, uh, reverting a little bit to what he was doing at Oklahoma in terms of just kind of being a gunslinger. And that's not who Kyler Murray is. Kyler Murray is the quarterback we saw last year who protects the ball and really makes the defense have to defend every part of the field when you play him because he can escape the pocket, he can he can make plays with his feet. And so Kyler Murray, once he becomes safer with the ball, more protective of it, this Cardinals offense will once again begin to flourish. Uh, he had 133 yards and three touchdowns. So from a production standpoint, it doesn't look that bad, but 133 yards is not necessarily ideal so you're looking for that. You're looking for this Cardinals offense to put up more, more production. So until they can start no, doing well, that. Well, one quick, one quick thing. If he's getting a little reckless with it, but throwing it in the direction of DeAndre Hopkins, are you going to fault him for it? Yes. Not at all. I Not am. at all. DeAndre Hopkins has like the bigger catch, biggest catch radius probably in the league. Like, but honestly, like Kyler Murray's like he hasn't even eclipsed 300 yards yet. So like, at some point, I know that's the to, that's the yeah that's the problem. Like, that's like, weird, but not, like. It sounds like it sounds like Tyler doesn't like DeAndre Hopkins, just the real and anything around him. No, I don't. I don't. It's not the fact that I don't like DeAndre Hopkins. I do. I love DeAndre Hopkins. I don't care who the receiver is. It's if it's not a good throw, it's not a good throw. There are obviously certain receivers that can bail quarterbacks out. We've seen it. But I, if you're not going to be safe with the ball, then that's just going to lead to problems for the team overall. So until Kyler Murray can get back to what we saw last year and kind of add to that, uh, which was a Aaron Rodgers like not throw a ton of picks level. If he can get back to that and then add on to that with his with the year two in the offense, then watch out for Kyler Murray and his Cardinals team. But until then, they're going to be a tough team to bet with, but against, because you just don't know what team you're going to get from week to week. So Texans-Jaguars. This is a game I'm avoiding 
completely. I do not know exactly what to expect out of either one of these teams. I don't like Houston at negative six. I don't like the 54, 54 point over under. I do think that both, uh, both the over, both the under are strong possibilities. I think Jaguars can win this game big. I think the Texans can win this game big. I'm avoiding the game altogether. So you guys can talk about it all you want. I don't necessarily like either side in this game, and I'm just going to kind of watch it and see if I can get a big, uh, a better feeling, I say, and, and hopefully it's a big barometer for me moving forward. But I'm hoping I can get a better feel of these teams from watching this game. I actually didn't do a ton of looking at this game. I looked at it from a 30,000-foot view, and I'm like, uh, you have a team that just lost their head coach, and they're also favored. So I'm going to take the points with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just seems easy to me. Um as far as who's healthy, who's not, really doesn't matter to me. Um, I look for the Texans to lose this game. I don't expect, I mean, unless they really come out and try to answer, you know, led by J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, if they're really motivated to, you know, get a win and prove themselves, that's great. But I just, from a 30,000-foot view, give me the points, give me Gardner Minshew and um, the Jaguars. And as far as the over-under, I, big number, right? Isn't it, was it 54? 54. Like, I, I, yep. I, I'm... Give me the under on that. I don't think 54 is a realistic number in this game. All right, give me the over, uh, but give me Houston to cover. Deshaun Watson comes out motivated, slings it around. Will Fuller catches a deep ball or two. Brandon Cooks has a good game. David Johnson catches, like, one ball and then makes one guy miss, and everyone's like, oh, he's 2016. No, he's not. He's washed. But I think the Houston Texans come out, and I, win, I think they win this game big. But I think the Jaguars have the offensive pieces to move the ball. So I think that they overhits here, um, and I think Houston covers. And also, so you said that this, uh, like Houston did lose their head coach, but they're still favored. This line has actually moved in their direction too. When Tyler and I talked about this game the other night, it was five and a half. So it's actually moved further in the direction of Houston because teams were in on Jacksonville at that number. Um, so I am taking the Texans to cover, taking the over here. I think that this game is going to be kind of fun. The Texans came out and had a brutal stretch to start the season in that first three slate of uh, Ravens, Chiefs, and uh, Steelers, but they lost to the Vikings, and the Vikings looked B-A-D bad through the first three weeks of the season. So um, so I think that this is a big game for the Texans. If they don't win this game, this, this season is, is really bad really fast. The Jaguars are fun, but I think the Texans are better. Uh, I think they're at least more talented, so... Give me Houston here. I also think they have a coach. I think they have a coaching bench because I don't think Doug Marone's that good. No, but I don't know if Romeo Cornell's any better. So moving on, we're gonna start to do a little bit of rapid fire here because we're approaching an hour. So on so? Sunday morning. Uh, well, we want to be. Able, we want people to be able to listen to the entire show before games start. You know. So let's. Then <laughs> wake up on. earlier. Come on, folks. <laughs> so moving on here, 49ers Dolphins, 51 point over under. San Francisco, big number, favored by eight. Uh, they are home. They are the home team here. So the the Dolphins, I think, are. I, I don't like the Dolphins to cover this, but I think it's closer than people think. Uh, it, San Francisco is just super banged up, but Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert are both back this week. George Kittle is coming back into week two of his return, uh, and he put up a monster week last week. I think he has a monster week this week. Ultimately, I think I like San Francisco, San Francisco to cover, but if Miami does cover, I would not be surprised here. I think I'm taking the over as well because I do think that there will be a little bit of fist magic this week. So, uh, 49ers, Dolphins, I'm taking San Francisco to cover with the over. Uh, this is the first game that I just don't like at all. You guys talk about avoiding some games. This is a game I would avoid. If I had to pick, I'll take the Niners minus 8 um, at home, 51 
man, I'm going under again, even though it's just, I mean, I know Jimmy Garoppolo's coming back, Mostert's coming back, but that team has just been snake-bitten all year with injuries. It's incredible. Fitch Magic's been fun, definitely playing loose like always. It's making the, the Tua tour just almost pushed out to 2021. I'd like to see him at some point, but um, give me the Niners minus eight at home. I am going to take the over here. Um, so 51 point over under, but you look through the 49ers depth chart. So we talked about how they've been snake bit with injuries. Dante Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, Akella Witherspoon, Kwan Williams, and Richard Sherman. That is their top five corners all out or all out except for Akella Witherspoon, who's questionable for this game, but everyone else is out. Devontae Parker could have a good game. Isaiah Ford isn't great, but he is good enough to beat your sixth or seventh corner, especially if Devontae Parker is dealing with the top option. I think that the overhits here because of that. Um, also, one thing to watch, Raheem Mostert's still technically questionable. He was a limited participant in practice. I think he ultimately plays, but just pay attention to it, uh, especially if you have him in your fantasy lineups like I do in a number of leagues. Uh, I think San Francisco covers, though. Uh, eight points, I think, is doable against this uh, Miami defense, despite they're getting Kayvon Frazier, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, all three of those guys playing. Um, Shaq, Lawson, Shaq Lawson's out this week, though, so the pass rush won't necessarily be there. With all these running backs, uh, Tevin Coleman's still dealing with an injury, but with everybody else back, I think that they could move the ball. Uh, I think that they cover minus eight, but I do think that this total goes over. Just overs are, overs are too, too easy to take right now. Defenses, I think overs are hitting at like a 70% rate so far through the first month of the season. It's just been nutty. Uh, I think over hits, points happen. Uh, 49ers cover at home. All right, moving on, Cowboys-Giants, 53.5 point over-under. Another big over-under here. Dallas is favored by 8 at home. Uh, taking Dallas for sure, over-under is another question. The, the the Cowboys defense has not been good, but the Giants, the Giants offense has been just as bad. So if this is a game where we get a glimpse of what the Cowboys could be, uh, I would not be surprised because – the offense should be productive with CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper all healthy. Uh, Amari Cooper currently the number one overall wide receiver in fantasy. And so you have CeeDee Lamb who's emerging and probably taking the number two spot in terms of uh, the depth chart from Michael Gallup, whom I love. But Michael Gallup has kind of receded into a deep target only type of player. Uh, so really you're looking at the three guys there to have a big day. Ezekiel Elliott should have his way with this front as well. Cowboys should be... Incredibly difficult to stop. This is a division game, but this is one of those games where I do feel like the Cowboys can just do whatever they want. That it's a matter of what the Giants can do in terms of the 53 and a half point over under. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys defense is that bad, so I'm taking the under. Yeah, it's the Cowboys defense thing. This this should be a bounce back game for them. I know they've been playing horrendous all year, giving up a ton of points. But the one thing to note in this game, this is the, as far as the games we've talked about, this game's moved three points. It actually started at Cowboys minus 11. It's now at Cowboys minus 8. So um, people out there liking Daniel Jones, apparently, with the points. I don't know how that could be the case, but... Um, I think it's we ca- more that they... I think they are... as they Like, Tyler thinks that the defense is better than, than most, but I think that mm-hmm. everyone else thinks that the defense is as bad as it's looked. So that's probably more what it's coming down to there. That's probably why that number's moving so much. I... Big Daniel Jones detractor. I don't like him. I don't think he's good. I think he's overrated. When everybody was drafting him in fantasy football this year, especially in Superflex leagues, they were reaching hard for him. I was like, go for it. Get your guy that's going to be out of the league in two years because he's not that good. Thank you. I will take the value. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I think that's more what it comes down to is they have the passing offense pieces like Darius Slayton, Golden Tate. Because uh, Golden Tate didn't get suspended, did he, Tyler? 
No. Just got a, no. a fine? No, I don't even fine. think he got a fine. I think just Jalen Ramsey just got Jaylen a fine. Just Jalen did? Ramsey, cool. Ramsey, got, Ramsey got fined like 15K or something like that. But, uh, nothing like nothing serious after that yeah. big old fancy contract he just signed. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, the, I, the one thing to watch out for for Dallas, though. So you said that they could have their way with this Giants front. You got this Giants front. That's the one part of this defense or this one part of this team that's good. Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, they got tanks up front, man. Lorenzo Carter, Marcus Golden, they got some speed off the edge. Kyler Fackrell, we all know he's a sack machine. Nothing? Not even a titter. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Joe Looney is out. Uh, obviously, we know Tyron Smith is out for the rest of the year. So this offensive line is going to be Connor Williams, Tyler Biotish, uh, Zach Martin, and who knows who the other two? Brandon Knight, maybe? Terrence Steele? I don't know who the other guys are going to be. So I agree that Zeke can I, – I think Zeke has a big game, but that's because I think mm-hmm. Zeke is a talented player. But I don't think that they can just steamroll over this front because this Giants front, that's that's where Dave Gettleman spent all of his money. He put all of his chips in. We're going to draft – we're going to have seven defensive tackles, and we're going to see what happens. Well, Gage, you didn't even mention Blake Martinez. What? I know what I did. I know what <laughs> I did. That's what I was waiting for. That's why it was a long pause after Kyler Fackerel. I was like, oh, he's going to he's gonna throw in Blake Martinez, the hey, tackle machine. Blake Martinez nope. is the best run-tackling defender in all of the NFL repeatedely yeah. over years. Yeah, that's what, yeah. and Zeke's going to run him over. <laughs> Blake Martinez filled in well for Green Bay, but he is limited in what he does. I left him out for a reason. I know the decision I made. If I'm not mistaken, I, he's leading the league in tackles again. So let's uh, just say – It Martinez. helps when your offense is really bad and your defense is on the field all the time. Uh, Ojeng Zimenez, one of the promising young pass rushers for the Giants, was placed in IR this week. So they do yep. lose a pass rusher this week, but the Cowboys lose their all-pro left tackle for the year. Hopefully the neck injury for Tyron Smith is not a long-term thing for him. Uh, is that lost the season two last year? Sorry for interrupting. I believe so. Damn. So it, uh, it's something to monitor in Dallas for sure. It's a lot of money they have poured into Tyron Smith, and so hopefully he can get right. And neck, neck injuries are not anything to mess with, so I'm hoping he can get right and that he can get back on the football field consistently for the Cowboys because when he's at his best and when he's healthy, he's one of the best tackles in the league, if not the best. So and let's Lyle move on. For the two, right? Who's that? Lyle Collins, the right tackle, who they also just poured a bunch of money on. Is he out for the year or just on IR? Sure. I thought he went to, out for the year because he had hip surgery. Okay. Uh, I will confirm that fact later. But he's definitely out for a long period of time. Yeah. So, yeah, moving ahead. on. Browns-Colts. This is one of – we talked about last week. Uh, I know, Matt, you weren't a part of the team last week. But last week, Alex Gage and I talked about a barometer week for the entire NFL. This game right here, Browns-Colts, 48 point over under. Indy's favored by one. It's basically a pick em. Uh The – this is the biggest barometer game for both of these teams so far. The Browns came out last week and put up a ton of points. Offense was super fun to watch against Dallas in the Dome. Colts, um, they're one of the best defenses in the league. Gage won't admit it, but they are one of the best defenses in the league. They they play cover two defense, and they play it well. It's got a proven history. I know that you'll say they give up a ton of, ton of yards underneath, but that's what the defense has evolved around, and that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, they, ba- they basically want you to give, to take everything underneath, and they're going to bank on the fact that they're going to make the tackle and make the big play eventually. 
So this Colts team and this Browns team, this is a fantastic matchup, and I really can't wait to see who comes out on top. Uh, in terms of it being a pick I'm probably taking the Colts because I think they're a better coached team. Uh, 48 point over under is a lot for me. I think this game does not have that many points. No Nick Chubb for the Browns. You have Nick, uh, I'm sorry, Kareem Hunt and Ernest Johnson slash uh, Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, there's, there's gonna be a, a, a fall off there. It might not be that much because Nick Chubb to Kareem Hunt is not that big of a deal, but ultimately I do think that this game hits the under. I think it becomes a defensive battle and who can make the last play. I'm really interested to see if the Kevin Stefanski offense can run the way it did last week. And I realize Kareem, or excuse me, I realize, uh, Nick Chubb got bounced out of that game, but Kareem Hunt, and that backfield, I think it, they didn't miss a beat, right? And um, you know, I like, I definitely like the Browns with the points. Um, I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining games throughout this weekend. Uh, Colts defense surprisingly very good this year. I, you know, they added a few pieces in the offseason, DeForest Buckner, uh, Xavier Rhodes, just to name a few. But um, definitely impressing me right now. And then the run game with the Colts is impressive as well. Uh, even, you know, they lost Marlon Mack for the year, but they still, again, they have like a plethora of guys back there. Jonathan Taylor um, you know, decimated at the receiver position. I would say at this point I would take the under. I just think neither of these teams are, you know, ready for a big game. They're both going to be running the ball quite a bit unless, you know, Odell Beckham has some sort of, you know, second career year or second career game back-to-back weeks. Um I don't see that happening. So give me the Browns with the points and give me the under on 48. Yeah, I'm taking the under as well here. Um, I think that this game does become a defensive struggle. And Tyler, you said that I wasn't willing to admit it. But here's what I saw last week. I saw that the Colts are the AFC version of the Chicago Bears. They have an offense, but with a better offensive line. They have a better offensive line, but they rely on their defense. Uh, Phillip Rivers' arm is bad. It's bad. Looking like it looked Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky bad last week, and I was not stunned at all because coming into the year when that was their big, like that was the big addition they made, I was like that was not great at all because T.Y. Hilton, your best receiver, is a deep threat guy, and Philip Rivers can't throw the deep ball anymore. Uh, so I think that the Col- I think this game is going to be low scoring. Um, Any minus one. <sighs> I'm going to go with Colts here. I like getting it at minus one because then it's like a pick so I can just take the cover. But that's – I don't think – I'm just not sold on the Colts' offense. I'm not sold on them, their ability to separate from a team like the Browns, who I think are a good team. I think that the Browns, their only like really big weakness on their entire roster is linebacker probably. Like their corners are good. It's a big – okay. But we don't – I'm talking the roster. I'm not talking the coaching yet. I'm just talking, like, if you separate at the coaches from every single roster in football, the Browns have one of the best ones, like, all over. The linebacker is their biggest weakness, and you can live with having a weak linebacker position in the modern NFL. Granted, against the team like the Colts that likes to run the ball, eh, different story. But you have a good defensive front, so I think they might be able to hang there. So I think that this, this game is going to be real tight. I love that the Patriots-Broncos uh, game got moved to Monday just because that means this is the only game that I have to watch it for. The Cowboys game is going to be fun because it's going to be exciting, but from a raw football perspective, this Browns-Colts game is going to be fun. I'm taking the under. I'm taking the Colts to win, to cover. Oh, man. I don't love that, though. I, I'll say this. I am not going to be actively betting this game. Like I, I am, I'm betting a lot of games this weekend. This is not one of them. I don't like it uh, because – 
we could easily see the Browns come out and just roll the Colts because they they hit a couple of big plays to OBJ and Jarvis Baker for all of his faults. He can at least maybe throw the ball down the field and Rivers can't do that. So, so, so I think Colts win here. This will not be part of the podcast parlay. So no, no, it will not. <laughs> so moving on here, Browns Colts is definitely a game I'm also avoiding. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that the the Colts defensive front matches up very well. Uh, with the Browns' offensive front. Uh, this game is ultimately going to come down to who can make the last play. And when the, and I'm going to change my pick. I originally said Indy. I think I'm going to switch to Cleveland because if I need points at the la- in the last drive of the game, I trust the Browns' offense more than I trust the Indy offense simply because of what we've seen. The explosion and the upside of the Browns' offense is more than what the Colts provide. The Colts are much more of a steady Eddie team. We're going to play defense. We're going to run the ball. And the thing is, though, when it comes to passing, I don't necessarily think that's their strength or what they want to do. Uh, Phil Rivers is going to be a great game manager, I think, for them this year. But ultimately, I think the Browns have the better offense. And so I will change my pick to the Browns and to cover, obviously, Indy at one, negative one, which is basically a pick em. So moving on to Sunday night. Since the Seattle Seahawks take on the Minnesota Vikings, big over under 57 points. Seattle is favored by negative seven. <sighs> Seattle underperformed last week, and I think we haven't talked about that enough. They, I think they played down to the Dolphins uh, in terms of levels of competition. I think the Seattle should have steamrolled Miami, and they didn't really. I think they won by 14 points, but it did not seem like that. I think I'm taking Seattle to cover negative seven because I still believe in this offense. I believe in Russell Wilson and what they're doing over there. 57 points. The Vikings surprised me last week against, or yeah, it was last week against Tennessee. It was last week. Yeah. All right. No, Texans last week. Texans last week. Tennessee two weeks ago. Tennessee two weeks ago. They really surprised me against Tennessee, who I thought was a much better defense than Houston. That's probably why I was thinking about it. So Jefferson Jefferson is probably, I think, in due for, or due for his third straight week of Strong production in Minnesota. Adam Thielen also, and I, I do like a lot of what the Vikings are trying to do in offense versus how they match up with the Seahawks. I think this game will be a shootout. I think the over hits. I like Seattle at negative seven, though. Um, Seattle at home is always tough, even without Phantom Center Link. Um, the line's moved two points since it opened at minus nine. Now it's at minus seven, as Tyler mentioned. Um, I don't see the Vikings offense be able to put up this many points. I could see Seattle, you know, doing that. That's a huge number, man. That, I mean, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, but to your point, I mean, as far as picking Vikings possibly with the points, Dalvin Cook, Madison, be able to run the ball against a suspect, you know, defensive line of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, it could play to their advantage, but I definitely like Seattle with, um, you know, to cover the minus seven, and then the over-unders is too big for me to go. I feel like I've picked every under for the last seven picks, but um, we'll smash the under again. I'm taking the over here. Uh, this line's really, really, really high. Obviously, 57 points, really high. Uh, I think that it hits. I think Seattle covers, though. Um, and if they don't cover, I think they at least win by a touchdown. So I get the push there. I'll take it. Uh, the Seahawks' offense is explosive, and this Vikings' defense is bad. Justin Jefferson, I do think, has a good week. Adam Thielen, I think, has another good week. Dalvin Cook um, can really make some hay, can really uh, make some hay against this Seattle Seattle front. Jamal Adams is out, which is unfortunate, but um, I just think Seattle. I think Seattle's too good offensively right now, and I don't think the Vikings are quite that offensively explosive. They've had they've played decently in the last couple of weeks, but I just think Seattle's at a different level. Uh, they're hitting a different gear. 
All right, moving on. Patriots Broncos. There is no current over under for this game, but New England is favored at nine and a half. I've actually seen a few different lines, but given to the uncertainty of COVID, uh, the the lines are all over the place, all over the place for this game. Uh, no over under has been supplied, so I'm probably avoiding betting on it. But I'm taking the Patriots to win this game outright. So you can jump on the Patriots money line because the Broncos are getting Drew Locke back. It sounds like, but I'm still taking the Patriots, and uh, even without even without Cam Newton, uh, I'm taking the Patriots to win this week. I I mean, if Cam Newton's out, I don't see how, I mean, nine and a half is a big, big number for Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham. Um, I, I oh, yeah, money line. That. If it I'm was, talking money line only. I ain't touching the line. Money line's, yeah, money line's fine. I could go with that. Um, it's just nine and a half, and just with the uncertainty of, what I mean, if Cam's going to play or not, um, odd that they don't have an over-under for this game. They do have the, uh, you know, the nine and a half, but... Very strange game. Um, we'll see if Cam plays from everything like you guys are saying. It sounds like he's not. So give me uh, the Broncos with the points um, with Drew Locke back. I don't know if Drew Locke's back. It says he's still questionable as of an hour ago. So I'm not. I think like... I saw a report that said if he's healthy, he's playing. Vic Bangio said that if he if he's able to practice or something along those lines, he's playing. So it was very a if he needs to do very minimum to play this week type of comment. I'm just, I'm just going based off the report that I got from three from the three hours ago. That's that's all I have right now. Um, we will have to see what happens. Will make a difference for you if if it's Drew Lock versus no Drew Lock. Is that changing what you're doing? If Drew Lock plays, I think Drew, I think uh, Denver wins. If that's Drew Lock plays, I think that Denver wins, especially if Jared Stidham's the starter. Come on, Jared Stidham's bad. I so. think Jared Stidham is better than what he showed last week. I do believe that. I think he kind of got thrust in the situation, and the lights were a little bright for him. But Jared Stidham is a better quarterback than what he showed last week. I think with a full week of practice and an expectation that he'll be starting under his belt, I think we get a different Jared Stidham this week. I The only reason I don't think that is we haven't seen it. He, Stidham has played multiple times. He's been bad every time he's played. I have no reason to believe in his abilities right now. Uh, I think that Denver uh, is a good defense with uh, a good like scheme uh, under Fangio. So if Drew Lock plays, I think uh, Denver wins. If Drew Lock's out and it's Brett Rippon, I'll still ride the Patriots. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe in Jared Stidham at all. Not a chance. So um, if Drew Lock right. plays, like you guys said, it sounds like it's up in there. I mean, if he's healthy, he's obviously the better quarterback, but. Um, yeah, give me the Broncos with the points. All right. Um, probably going against the grain there, taking the Patriots. I just, I think I believe in Bill Belichick at, at Gillette. Uh, that, that's really what's fueling my, my Patriots pick there. But Saints-Chargers, this is one of the most interesting games, the second game of that Monday night leg. Uh, so the original Monday night football game here. Saints-Chargers, 15.5 point over under. That's a weird line with New Orleans favored at negative 9. So we're looking at the Saints hosting the Chargers in the Superdome. I don't know what to make of the Saints team, but I think they win this game. I don't know if it's by nine, because I believe in what Justin Herbert is doing. Anthony Lynn finally came out and gave Justin Herbert some freaking verbal support. Uh, I know we've been been kind of bashing Anthony Lynn on our Game on Fantasy podcast because he can't, he just couldn't support the kid after he had come out and clearly put his heart on his sleeve and was making plays for this Chargers team. And so he finally came out and said that Herbert will be the starter for the rest of the year. Uh, I do like this offense much better with him at the helm. I don't think the Saints cover nine, but I think they win this game outright. Yeah, nine's too big of a number for me. I mean, I do think the Saints definitely are going to improve. Is Michael Thomas playing? I'm not sure. Um, He's highly but, questionable right now. Well, he, I would assume he. I mean, 
I would guess he doesn't play. That that would just be my guess. So, you know, Herbert's fine and dandy. It sucks to be Tyrod Taylor. He's definitely gotten the short end of the stick more often than not. Austin Eckler out. I don't like that. Um, so I would take I would still take the Chargers with the points, but and as far as the over under, uh, I'm gonna go under. I just don't think you know Justin Herbert without Austin Eckler probably one of the better weapons for the team. You know Keenan Allen's matchup versus Marshawn Lattimore will be fun, but uh, give me the under and then give me the Chargers uh, with the points. Give me the over. Give me the Chargers to cover though. Uh, Saints offense has looked good. Looked better the last couple of weeks. Uh, but the Chargers offense has been explosive, so I think that they can. Uh, I think they can put up some points. I do think the Saints defense is good um, and better than they've showed to start the year. But I think that the uh, Chargers are able to move the ball a little bit. Uh, I do commend Anthony Lynn for finally supporting his rookie quarterback. But um, I'm still taking Saints to win outright. I think the over hits, and I think the uh, Chargers cover. The uh, over under is weird because fifteen and a half points. Let's say the let's say the Saints win twenty seven to twenty four. You're hitting the over there. I think that's a very realistic score for this game. So I'm probably taking the over as well. But let's move on to Titans Bills uh, on a Tuesday night. I don't know if this is the first time we've had a Tuesday night game, but I'm excited for it because it means more nights of football. Uh, so Titans Bills, a game I'm actually particularly excited for. Talk about barometer games. How good is this Titans team? Uh, we talked about a lot about them in the beginning of this podcast. There's no line for this game. There's no over-under at all. I think Vegas has kind of washed his hands of it. But Titans-Bills, I'm taking the Bills to go into Tennessee and win this game. I don't think the Titans are as good as their record shows. They, I believe, out of all of the all the victories in the NFL, I believe that they have the smallest margin of victory. They have to because they've won, I think, three all three games by a, a total of like five points, which is just bonkers to me. So I'm looking at the Bills to easily win this game and really kind of put the rumors that the Titans are back and and well again to rest because I don't think this Titans team is that good. Yeah, I mean the Titans are obviously it's no secret 100% they're of their offense not 100% but their main focal point of their offense is Derrick Henry. Um, Corey Davis is out. AJ Brown really you know he's been banged up and offensively they really haven't been you know, that productive outside of Derrick Henry. Um, any other year for the Bills offense, I would probably take the Titans. However, with the Bills actually being able to move the football, Josh Allen's playing really, really great. I mean, he's probably on pace to be most improved player. I don't even know if that makes sense at this point. He just, the way he's been playing is, you know, it's, they're not like the regular ground and pound, playing the trenches type, um, Bills team, where if that was the case, I would probably defer to the Titans because I think they're more apt to do that with their front seven, their offensive line. But give me the Bills in this one. Um, it makes sense that Vegas doesn't want to touch it at all. As far as a Tuesday game, very bizarre, but I will take another day of the week to sit on my ass and watch NFL football. So um, give me the Bills in this one. Yeah, I'm taking the Bills as well. Um, I think that they're just, I think that they're a better team on both sides of the ball. The defense is gotten lit up a little bit to start the season which is kind of surprising but I still think that they win pretty easily this Titans team is their their defense isn't playing up to snuff they got like 30 points hung on them by the by the Jaguars they got 30 hung on them by the uh by the Vikings I don't think this defense is that good I think the Bills can move the ball Brian Dable has really got Josh Allen playing at a at a really really good level right now so I'm taking so I'm taking the Bills to win outright Obviously, we don't have a spread, so can't put anything there. But, yeah, I think Bills win outright. I just don't 
I don't have any faith in the Titans hanging with a good team. They haven't beaten anybody really good yet, so. All right. I completely agree. I think the Bills are the much better team here. I, I'm not a big fan of the Titans. I think I've made that clear. But before we wrap up here, I just want to let you guys know, before we kind of started recording, thanks, Gage, for the inspiration. I went on my Twitter and I said, uh, hot dog condiments of choice. Let's hear them. I'm getting ratioed right now because uh, there's so many comments and there is so many fun discussions going on. So please go check it out. Uh, cause it's, awesome. it's, it's, it's pretty fun, actually. So uh, go check that out. But at the same time, thanks for tuning into the Pack a Day podcast. Uh, you know, we're, we're new to the Blue Wire, uh, podcast network and we're so excited for that. This is really, this is really freaking cool. I'm not going to lie. As being one of the original members of this team, I know Gage joined us a little bit later, but it doesn't really matter. But at the same time, seeing this project start from the ground up with Anthony Herman has just been an absolute pleasure. And I, I, I'm so excited to be here. I, I'm sure that you guys have similar feelings. This is a lot of fun. Uh, especially these these types of episodes. I know we had Alex on last week, and we just had a blast talking about these games. So hopefully we can continue to do this for you. I'll see if I can petition Andy to give us a regular spot to preview the games because this has been particularly fun. So moving on, though, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, please like, uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Leave comments. Leave feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Um, we, we do value everybody's opinion. Uh, you can find any of us on Twitter. Uh, I'll let you guys give your Twitter, hand, Twitter handles here in a second. Uh, go to the Game on Wisconsin Twitter page for, for Gage and I. Uh, go check out the Jamal Williams uh, toy drive, the GoFundMe page. Uh, he, he's trying to dr- uh, drive some funds to really supply some kids with toys at Christmas. A really great cause. Uh, go check out the Jamal Williams show on Tuesdays at the Game on Wisconsin uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. There's a lot going on over there. Gage and I have our fantasy stuff going on. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, now on Sunday morning, hopefully you're checking out the live stream on Sunday morning for us because uh, that's a lot of fun as well. So do you guys have anything you want to add or promote? Um, I would say normally I just say you know, like, rate, review, and subscribe. But on this one, definitely write a review on what your favorite condiment is, on uh, whether you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify. Additionally, you know, shout out Andy Herman doing the – YouTube series, again, you know, just more content for you Packers fans, 24-7, 365. Uh, so check us out on YouTube as well. Make sure you're subscribing there and then hit Andy in the comments. And he's had some um, clickbaity videos as of late, so harass him and tell him just get back to the facts. But overall, yeah, it's been an absolute ride, awesome ride with Pack-A-Day. Check me out also on PackersWorldwide.com. Um, got live streams on there, articles, blogs, memes, whatever, you you know, most people want to look for. Um Got a good squad over there. Of course, listen to me as always uh, with Dan Kotnick and Janelle Mackey on every other Tuesday on Pack a Day podcast. And um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. It's at M A T T underscore F R A underscore. Gage, where can everyone find you and uh, hear all your words and uh, articles? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at G Bridgeford NFL as always. Um, I give fantasy advice every single Sunday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Generally, I'm doing a live stream with Tyler on Game On Wisconsin over on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. But this week I am out because of real-life work. So I will be unavailable, but Tyler's got a guy to fill in for me this week. It'll two be a guys. lot of fun. I believe it's uh, two guys. Okay, I two guys. It's going to be a party. Alex, right? Yeah, so Tyler's uh, Alex Stroff and Daniel Kotnick. So you're, I'm okay, sure you're familiar so yeah, with them. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are going to have a really good time with them. Um, uh, you can find my work over at Dynasty Nerds, Rotoballer, as well as Denver Stiffs. I cover a broad variety of topics. Uh, if you And if you ever want to just have a conversation with me, my DMs are always open. Um, I'm willing to talk about just about anything. 
Uh, just give me five minutes to prepare on the topic, and we'll be good to go. All right. Thanks, guys. And it's been an absolute pleasure uh, recording with you guys today. This has been a lot of fun. I just love talking football, and we're, we're definitely mid-swing of the 2020 NFL season. Uh, even if COVID is rampant through the NFL, we'll call it, uh, might be a little bit of an over-exaggeration. But at the same point, I do not want to lose football. So let's, let's please get it under control, NFL. Hopefully we can continue to see the remaining 12 to 13 weeks, however they decide to do this, and then get our first year of seven playoff teams in each conference. So I'm looking forward to a complete NFL season, and uh, I know that you guys are as well if you're listening. But again, thank you for listening. Uh, like, rate, subscribe, give us feedback on whatever pl- podcast listening platform you have, and uh, reach out to us on Twitter if you have questions. Uh, you know, you don't feel like leaving a comment on the podcast listening platform, go ahead and give us direct feedback on our Twitter pages. So until next time, uh, go back, go. class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com 
slash BlueWire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.